0: And welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host. And joining me, my loyal friend and partner, Mark LaRocco. Mark, welcome back to the Film Pod after a month.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, it's been a month. I've been over a month. So yeah, nice to be back. Yeah. Should we bother going
0: into the excuses? I, I don't know nah. how much. <laughs> it's that time of year, which which means we have lots to talk about, but there's also lots going on. Mm-hmm. Um um, I'm also in the process of finishing up fall semester, which means this last three days I've been neck deep in grading final argument papers and uh, also watching a bunch of movies mm-hmm. because it's time to fill out my annual Critics Association ballot. Um, I've seen a lot of movies in the last little while. Have you, have you, have you seen much lately? No. Now, I know there's So I know there's one movie that you did see that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So don't mention that one. Okay. But is there anything else that you have seen recently since it's been a little while?
1: Um, I mean, not new movies, so I don't know how interesting that is. I I finally saw Us, the Jordan Peele movie. Oh, right. I remember you texted me that. What did you think? I I liked it. I thought it was cool. And it was weird. And in some ways, it was the weirdest, I think, of all three of the Jordan Peele movies. Get out Us and Nope. I mean, they're all—they all have this sort of bizarre sense to them. That's just—they're not a normal horror movie. They're not a normal thriller, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I—I I thought it was good.
0: No, I remember. So I didn't see Get Out in the theater. Us was the first one I saw in the theater, and I didn't see Get Out until after I saw Us. Um, I liked Get Out better, but Us was still.
2: Good. Yeah, I did
1: too, and I
0: think I kind of like both of them better than Nope.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I need to see Nope again. I, 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 like to get out the best of the three. Um, yeah, uh, I, I may have liked Nope better. Um, I feel like there's more going on in us, and uh, maybe for for better or for worse, but it definitely took some turns I wasn't expecting, and so I, I appreciated yeah. that. It d- it just didn't follow like a, a normal sort of mm-hmm. formula that I was I was thinking maybe it would and yeah it was it was quite yeah his, his movies are really
0: engaging yeah. I really appreciate that you know you you kind of get the sense and I, I know people could kind of take this the wrong way uh, as 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 uh, history has taken different turns for this guy but it, he kind of reminds me of Shyamalan a little bit how when, when he first got started each one of his movies, they really had a, a distinct style and voice, mm-hmm. and they were really excited. You were really interested to see what he was going to come up with and where things were going to go. Now, in Shyamalan's case, obviously things started to go kind of the wrong direction, and he's had a kind of a checkered uh, reputation you know, and, and track record since then, but I, I mean it as a compliment, compliment when I say that Peel's movies kind of remind me of, of watching Shyamalan's early movies. Yeah there's they're very very distinctly him. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't I don't know, I mean not at the top of my head what I if I could say what it is that makes his stuff his stuff, but it doesn't feel like you know, I mean every every year I wind up seeing a handful of kind of these forgettable generic one-off horror movies mm-hmm. and his stuff is way above even even though i didn't really like nope a lot mm-hmm. i would still put it above the level of that stuff because he still imbues it with his own yeah kind of style and voice but
2: uh so hey yeah
0: i didn't uh there, there we go we're talking about jordan peele a lot of stuff about. <laughs> i know um yeah. so so us and uh what else anything you see anything else interesting
1: um i saw the killer the new david okay, fincher movie right and right. that was that was really good, too. Like I, I, I had a I didn't really know what my expectations were. I just know that he's a very precise, demanding filmmaker. He, he's one of these like 100 takes to get it right. Um, every frame, every detail of the frame is important. This is this is
0: Michael Fassbender as an assassin, and was this one straight to Netflix? Did it have any theatrical run at all? Well,
1: I think it had a, enough of a theatrical run to qualify for awards, but it wasn't a. It was a Netflix one. Yeah, I I, okay. I. I think it probably appeared in a few theaters. I don't remember exactly, but pretty much came out on Netflix in. Yeah. Early, I believe it was early November. Um, Which seems interesting for Fincher, right? Well, I mean, he's the one that he was the first filmmaker, at least kind of like reputable filmmaker to go to Netflix for a TV series when he did House of Cards. Oh, uh, um, okay. And then he did Mindhunter. So he's he's not new to TV, you know, although he's been making films since the early 90s with Alien 3, Aliens 3. Right. Um, and then, you know, he, he, he did Fight 7 and Fight Club and mm. Benjamin Button. My favorite movie of his is The Social Network. Um but, yeah, I was going to say Z- I
0: think that's that's probably my favorite of his.
1: Yeah, Zodiac is also excellent. I mean, it's it's so good. But I I think the social network is my favorite. It's the one I've seen the most from Fincher. He also did Mank. So
0: Oh, okay, he did that. So how does uh Well, I guess he has done a lot of stuff with Netflix now that we're talking about it. It just I I guess in my in my mind I'm kind of wondering if we are already past the threshold where kind of the, the, how'd I describe it? The more celebrated directors are going straight to streaming services and not really worrying about doing
1: theatrical releases. Oh yeah, you're right. We passed that a long time ago. Yeah. Scorsese just did an (laughs) Apple TV. Uh, I mean, Irishman was Netflix and then killers of the flower moon was Apple TV. I mean, he's probably, he's, Kind of widely considered the most celebrated, you know, filmmaker. I guess <laughs> of the last video, along with but those ones, they
0: still had the they still had the the obligatory theatrical run, right? Didn't they do the the one week thing still? Um,
1: well, yeah, I think so. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon has not officially been released yet on Apple TV. I think, and it's it was in the theaters and it, it made about sixty seven million U S. and I think worldwide at like another. 70 or 80 something like that and so he you know it's it had a theatrical run i mean it there were ads for it all yeah. over they tried to make it a big opening it couldn't compete with taylor swift um but it uh <laughs> i loved it that's the one that i told you is may might be my you film loved the of taylor the year. Swift one? i did like it yeah quite a bit the concert film yeah you did see the concert film really yeah uh, yeah i guess i forgot to mention that i did end up seeing that. i saw that in uh, in october nothing um, like three hours long it's pretty long, and apparently the new version they're releasing on, on, on video or on streaming is going to add three songs, and I'm sure she's going to make another $50 million or something as people, the Swifties, will want to see every second. But I, um, I mean, I, I liked it. I mean, it was just a concert film. It wasn't even a, there were no talking heads. There were no cutaways to other things in her life. It was purely a concert film, and that's kind of what I wanted and expected. I didn't really think it would be more than that. Um, so,
0: so what you're saying is, when it comes to Taylor Swift, you just want a pure experience. You don't, you don't need well be, the background. Well, pa- you just, you just want to see Taylor performing her songs on stage as if you were there.
1: Changing outfits, doing the Eras tour, outfits. going through each album, not in chronological okay. order, which is more interesting, right. So she doesn't go in order. And that's what you want to see, because like... Well, the, it's got to keep you engaged, right? Keep right. You thinking, the tickets keep are hundreds of dollars. You can't get them anyway. So the whole reason she made this tour, this movie, was, well, number one is to make a lot of money. But number two, I would say, is to try to give fans the concert experience without going to the concert. So, you know, it's not a documentary. It's not a behind the scenes. It's just the concert footage. It's just the concert. Very well shot. I mean, many, many cameras, like many close-ups, lots of, um, you know, it's not just like a two-camera setup or something like that. It's obviously, I mean, she's got all the money in the world to hire whoever she wants to, to direct it, but um, yeah, now we're talking about Taylor Swift. I was um, going to say, this episode, you know, I, did, I didn't really have a real structured game
0: plan for right. this episode, but I didn't think that this is where it would go, especially this early, and, and here we are 10 minutes in, but uh, right. that's fine. Hey, we cover we cover it all.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because
0: we we cover lots of stuff.
1: <laughs> I was going to talk about the killer. Yeah. Let me let me oh, give yeah. you a few yeah. minutes on the killer. So so it's about as you said. It's about a contract killer played by Michael Fassbender, who from the opening of the movie he's narrating everything. And it's and the funny thing is there is such such a dichotomy between his voiceover, his internal monologue that's talking to us, and the killer like on screen. He talks a lot. It's it's a very heavily narrated movie, and it's funny. He's he's witty with his jokes, and he's like telling us how to be a killer. You know, like forbid empathy, um, only do the job you're paid to do. He has these little mantras he repeats over and over, and then you proceed to watch him violate them. And he he kind of brags about how professionally is and how his how high his rate of kill is, and and then he like messes up and most of the movie is it start the movie starts with a botched killing attempt assassination attempt and then he then there's a a price on his head the client who was hired who hired him to kill and he didn't do it sort of puts a bounty on him and there's an attack on his his home or what we think is his home where he has a a love interest and then he spends the rest of the movie trying to hunt down those responsible so it's a lot of great locations you know paris new orleans new york Dominican Republic and he's meeting people one by one and it's divided into chapters that name you know name the people he's trying to go after and they're not named it's just like the client the assassin the whatever you know uh-huh. um, so in some, so yeah so
0: my question the, the only question I'm concerned about here is how does the killer compare to gross point blank,
1: blank I haven't seen that Mark. <laughs> I know, I know. I haven't seen, I haven't uh, seen enough movies. Only about fourteen hundred. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because, because, well, maybe, maybe that's part of your homework. Then, is we we can't complete the review of the killer mm-hmm. until you see Gross Point Blank, which is also about an assassin whose first job in the movie goes wrong, and also has a lot of, Now, he doesn't narrate the well. I guess he kind of narrates the movie there's there's a lot of it, it's immediately sprung to mind when you started talking about the dialogue and the, the talkiness because he's uh john cusack is the assassin he's very very philosophical yeah let's put it that way well but man that's a good one. i actually just watched that one with a couple of friends a couple months ago
1: yeah th- this guy is too i mean he's a little philosophical he he's he's having he's kind of at a crossroads and and there might be some some changes um and he he is very good at what he does. It's not like he's he's just a, a screw up. But you know, like yeah, it's it's got a lot of humor in it. Um, he, he shares statistics about like how many people are born and die every minute on this planet for every second. So it's like it's not that big big of a deal for him to just keep doing his job and off people for money. You know. Yeah,
0: so this is his this is his rationalization.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you, one of them. But like he says, forbid empathy, but then. There's a scene where he, he performs a killing in a way that's sort of unnecessarily humane. In, in, in a way that, you know, he had to make it look like an accident when he didn't need to do that. So you're like, okay, I mean, and it, so it's not really like a mercy killing, but it's like the way that the killing happens is like a mercy killing. And so it's interesting. Um, he like jokes that, you know, he dresses like a German tourist because the people will ignore him and leave him alone. Nobody wants to talk to a German tourist. And he, he kind of has to be incognito. I mean, he has to go undercover so often he can't be detected by police or whatever. He's, he has to just be nondescript, you know. Um, and, and it's funny, too, because I talked about how he has this almost incessant voiceover. Sometimes he'll meet a character in the movie and won't say a word. Like, they'll just do all the talking. They'll just, like, monologue the scene. So uh, and, and he trained himself, Michael Fassbender said this, to not blink. He comes across as sort of cold and unblinking, literally. Like, And so the entire movie, he doesn't blink, even in like long tank- takes, you know. Um, he, he listens to the Smiths, so you hear it the whole movie. Like, That's the soundtrack oh, yeah. of the movie, essentially, is the Smiths. Um, and there's a lot of sort of... It's kind of got a little bit of an anti-corporate slant to it in, in how he uses things and refers to them like McDonald's. And he's one of his he's shooting or sort of surveilling from a WeWorks building, you know, using uh, Uber Eats to order. Um, he orders off of Amazon and it shows it on Amazon, like it shows him ordering like tools to break into like a corporate high rise. So it's kind of funny. I mean, things like that. Um, and then it has a pretty cool kind of unexpected ending. I'm, I'm obviously not going to spoil, but something a little different. And
0: Well, I'm going to have to put that on my maybe list.
1: I think you should. I think it's worth seeing. I don't think it's yeah. one of like a top three Fincher, but it's uh, it's it's a really good. Which is
0: well, let's put, let's yeah. put it this way: if you go see Gross Point Blank, that will greatly increase the chances of me seeing The Killer, so we can have a discussion about
1: it. And probably Gross Point Blank is available on streaming somewhere, right? Oh, could, sure. Yeah, it should be. Huh?
0: I I could loan you my Blu-ray if you need.
1: Okay, I'll I'll look. Yeah. I'll look and see.
0: It's it's a keeper, baby. Cool. Um.
1: No, the, the, the re-
0: part of the reason I'm so so wishy-washy is because I've been watching a lot of movies lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them because they are new releases like Napoleon and Dream Scenario, which I posted reviews for on utah.film. I noticed, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but I have also been trying to broaden my horizons and... Uh, Prepare for the annual critics, uh, Utah Film Critics Association ballot. Basically, every year the critics association has a vote on its like best movies of twenty of the year right. stuff. Right. Um, the first step is that each individual critic will go submit their own ballot, and then those ballots are compiled and come up with a final, you know, list of finalists. And then we get together and hash out who we're going to give the awards to. Mm -hmm. Um, The final hash out is going to be in early January, but I need to submit my personal ballot here in a couple of days. And uh, in order to be prepared for that ballot, I've had to kind of fill in some gaps. Um, I haven't been covering as much this year, and I especially haven't been covering a whole lot of foreign films and documentaries and animated movies. So that's mostly what I've been kind of emphasizing over this last two or three weeks. And uh, you want the bad news or the good news first? Bad. The bad. Okay, so the bad news is that overall, 2023 is still kind of a crappy year Mm. for movies. Um, The good news is that there are still plenty of good movies in 2023. And I don't know if those sound contradictory. I think you can probably follow my meaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, what 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 I'm meaning to say here is that there are good movies that come out every year and there are, are a number of good movies that I can recommend and point out in 2023. Uh, but overall it's still not going to go down as one of the greats. Um, at least as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, um, but, what, what I, yeah. what I like to know is even if it's considered a down year or, or whatever for mm-hmm. movies, did you, was there ever a movie, a movie that you saw that you would put on an all-time list? Like, was there a movie that you might might say, well, this is going to make my top of the uh, last 25 Mm. years, top of the century? I don't don't know
0: if I would say yes to that. Partially because sometimes these movies have to grow on me a little while. Um, In fact, I saw two movies today, just hours ago, that I'm a little hesitant to go into too much depth on just because... When they're fresh, you can almost overreact. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't know if you've had the experience where you go see a movie and it just kind of blows you away because it's really big and over the top and you know flashy. Yeah. And so in the moment, you're really kind of carried away, and then once the dust settles, you realize, oh, well, that was okay. It mm-hmm. was mostly just kind of
2: yeah,
0: putting on a show, right? Um, so I kind of want to get out of the blast radius a little bit first, if that uh, if that's appropriate. Um,
1: yeah. For me, I, I noticed way to describe it. I notice if I if I can continue to just think about a movie even for days after and it doesn't really let up that much, that's a lot more meaningful than just like mm-hmm. like you say the blast radius or a few minutes after it's over, maybe feeling yeah. like you're blown away. Yeah. Um, and well, so, and then the yeah. other way that I
0: the way that I typically measure it is, you know, a do I want to see this movie again, or would I be interested in seeing this movie again, which eliminates a lot of movies right off the top um and then even more than that and this is i I think a little bit more similar to what you were asking before is do i actually want to buy this and make it part of my collection because if i actually Mm want to put it on my shelf not that i'm going to watch it every year i mean there are plenty of movies that i've bought that i've never opened just because they're they're, i'm it's like my instinct is to collect them not necessarily to watch them all the time but they've got to be good enough to collect them
2: Mm -hmm. um
0: and if that's the question then I would say, yeah I think that there are probably a couple movies I've seen this year that I would I would consider yeah collecting um, but I should let me let me just kind of cut to the chase um, the first thing I would say is that uh, I've been watching a few foreign films and they are awesome in fact there are probably a couple of the foreign films I've seen uh, just just as a real quick sneak preview that will probably go on to my all my year's best list. In in Mm -hmm. fact, on the ballot for like my best movies of the year are probably going to be a couple of these foreign films. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorites is a one called uh, a movie called Perfect Days. And the whole movie just follows a janitor in uh, Tokyo, Japan, as he goes around and uh, cleans toilets, like public toilets in parks and different things. And You get to know a little bit about his life, about kind of the people he interacts with. You get to know about his family and kind of his situation, how he got where he's at, and it is just—it's just one of these really, really low-key, sweet movies that makes you smile, makes you appreciate the little things, and is a perfect contrast to the overblown schlock that we get from so many. Mainstream yeah.
2: movies, mm-hmm. um, which is not
0: to say that overblown mainstream movies are bad, because there's another one of those that I saw today that was really fantastic. But um, Perfect Days was fantastic. Uh, there's a movie called Anatomy of a Fall, which is kind of a Have you heard of this one? Yeah. You, you're not. I want to yeah, see yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, it is. Uh, I think it's set in France, like in the Alps. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like there's this mysterious death and the the man who dies uh, they have to determine whether his his estranged wife might have been responsible for his death and it's just a real again more more low-key but really really interesting and engaging Um, but the uh, the one that I just saw today that's another foreign film is Godzilla minus one which was awesome Mm -hmm. and I again, I'm still kind of in the blast radius on this one, but I I'm kind of thinking that this is the Godzilla movie I have always wanted someone to make.
2: Oh, okay. Um,
0: as a kid, I was a Godzilla fan, and I remember being tremendously disappointed with Godzilla 1985 because I thought it was going to be really cool. It was just really kind of this shlocky, terrible, ter- terrible movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember I remember being crushed when. Uh, uh, the, I, I guess my my predecessor by 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 two steps, uh, uh, Chris Hicks of the Deseret News, he gave it a turkey. It, it, it wasn't even like a one star movie; it was like a straight up turkey. And I remember be, being so disappointed. But then when I saw, yeah. it, I was like, you know what, he's right. It's I was re- so bad.
1: I remember him. That's first. That's when I first learned about turkeys. Was reading his reviews on Desert News yeah. even before uh, Jeff. Bice. Jeff. Bice. Yeah, it was Chris yeah. Hicks and. So I was like, wow, that must really be a bad movie or he just hated a movie because yeah. there weren't a lot of And turkeys. and it was. Yeah. And it
0: was. Uh, so so this one though, I would I would venture to say that this one is a lot better than even the recent, you know, the um, well there was Godzilla and I think it was twenty fourteen and then there was the <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. Um all of which I enjoyed to one degree or another. I mean, they weren't great and some of them were definitely better than others. Um, But this one, man, I mean, this one, I think this was the original Toho corporation that made it, you know, the original uh, company in Japan. And we should just let them make the Godzilla movies. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's really, as far as the story, it is pretty similar to the original one in that, you know, it's kind of like the first arrival of Godzilla and he's still pretty much the bad guy and it's, it's kind of Godzilla versus Japan. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's not fighting on behalf of the humans against Rodan or anything like that or King Ghidorah or Mothra Um, or Mothra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so he's, he's pretty much the, the antagonist of the film, but I, I just loved how they, they do have a human element, there's a main character. So this is, it takes place shortly after World War II. And the main human character is this guy who was a kamikaze pilot in Japan but decides not to fulfill his mission. And so he's carrying this, this weight of shame because he was supposed to kill himself in the war effort and backed out. Um, hmm. And so you kind of compare this to something like Transformers where you know, you've know you got, um, the was it Sam Witwicky? was the Shia LaBeouf character or whoever. And, you know, so you have human characters next to the, to the transformers, but they're almost just kind of obligatory. And you don't care about any of them. They're almost kind of annoying in, in this movie, the human characters are really great and you kind of care about their stories and there's, there's this real completeness to it that, uh, Mm. that really resonates. It's a, it's a good movie. I'm not going to go too much farther into it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, So yeah, so basically, like all the foreign films I've seen over the last couple weeks, fantastic. Some of them, my favorite movies of the year. Uh, Seen a bunch of documentaries. Um, We were talking about Taylor Swift before. I saw Kelsey, which is the I think it's on is Amazon Prime. It's about uh, not Travis Kelsey, but Jason. Jason. So the the center for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of interesting. Taylor does not make an appearance because I think this was made before uh, her brother started dating her. Um, it's all Taylor Swift all the time in episode 68 of the Utah film pod. <laughs> um, so I saw the Yogi Berra documentary, which was good. I saw one about Tom Wolfe that was really good, which is really fun because I read one of his books for the first time last year, the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now American. Oh dear. American symphony. I think American symphony is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Batiste a musician, a very Grammy-decorated musician. This is a documentary about him and his music and his wife's battle with, I believe, leukemia. I'm pretty sure it's cancer. I think it's leukemia. Uh, Very, very moving. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one that I just saw today um, that is, wow, still echoing in my mind, 20 Days in Mariupol. Yeah. Uh, Which is a city in Ukraine that was one of the first cities to be attacked uh, last year in the invasion, the Russian invasion in 2022. This one, it is a fantastic documentary and really, really hard to get through. I would not watch this unless you are prepared. Okay. Um, It is not necessarily graphic in the sense that you know they actually kind of blur some things and you're not seeing a lot of like wartime gore and and that kind of stuff it's the reality of what it is that you are seeing because mm-hmm. it's it's just heartbreaking and yeah, yeah. like i said i just I, I i finished watching it about 15 20 minutes before we started our <laughs> our recording tonight so
2: yeah.
0: um it might take. I mean, I don't think. I don't think that a day or two from now I'm going to decide. Oh, that wasn't any good, but I'm, I'm still kind of processing that one. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, it's it's in my number one spot for documentaries for for this year. Um, haven't been as crazy about the animated features I've seen. Uh, I found a couple of interesting ones. Kind of a cute one called Robot Dreams. It's about this dog who buys a robot as a companion it's kind of this it's kind of a world i guess it's kind of a pixar disney type world where the animals are the people and there aren't any people and so the dogs dogs like drive cars and stuff okay so so the dog is lonely and so he buys this robot to be his companion okay uh pretty fun uh a really weird one out of japan called blind willow sleeping woman uh which follows a couple of different story threads but the most interesting one is about this middle-aged guy who has visions of a seven foot frog that tries to convince him to go under the earth and fight a worm in order to save japan from an earthquake hmm. and i'll just leave it there i don't know that there's anything more to say about that <laughs> That's you know that's kind of what sold me on watching it, and I watched it, and you know I can't say that it delivered like you know the greatest movie of twenty twenty three, but uh, you know you gotta you gotta watch some stuff. Yeah. So, and I and I've been watching more normal movies too. I, I watched Maestro. You heard oh, about that? Yeah,
1: I would like, like that, to uh, see Leonard, that. Leonard Bernstein. That comes out next uh, week on Netflix.
0: Is it next week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I liked a lot of things about it. Um, Bradley Cooper does an amazing job as, as Bernstein. And then, of course... Um,
1: oh, it's uh, Carrie Mulligan.
0: Yes, Carrie Mulligan plays Bernstein's wife, who is an actress. And she does an incredible job as well. I tend to like the performances in this movie more than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would rank the movie super high. Uh, but the performances and lots of other elements. Like some of the cinematography, especially early on, is really, really great. So so that one's interesting. I um, saw Wonka, which, uh, you know, I might nod a little bit on the ballot. It's, uh, this is the one's the prequel, right? You got Timothy Chalamet playing Willy Wonka. Oh. Um, kind of reminded me of a. Did you see either of the Paddington movies, the recent Paddington movies? You know,
1: it's funny you mentioned that. I I just ordered the second one. So I, I thought just today I ordered a couple DVDs as like kinda like Christmas gifts, movies that we wanted to see, and we watched the Ooh. first one and weren't able to watch the second one. And I've heard it's so good. I actually heard it's very good. I I, I ordered it today. So we're gonna be receiving that. I've heard it's very good and it's it wasn't available on any of our streaming unless we actually bought or Rented it for money. Uh, okay. So I just bought the DVD. So.
0: I think I, I, I do not think you will be disappointed. Yeah. Um, I I want to say that I remember the second one being better than the first one. That's what kind of Even the consensus the first one is. Was good. Yeah. Well, and the reason I bring it up is because Wonka has a similar vibe and sense of humor mm-hmm. as the Paddington movies. Yeah. Uh, except Wonka is a musical. Which I wasn't thrilled with, but when they weren't singing, I really kind of enjoyed it. In spite of the fact that it's kind of one of these extraneous, superfluous, nobody asked for it. I know franchise movies.
1: There's certain movies that's like nobody asked for it. They didn't need to do it. They know that just by name alone, they'll make some money. You know, right? Yeah, right.
0: So I was, I, I guess, in that sense, I was pleasantly surprised that there was something worth watching about the movie. Even though, I mean, I I wouldn't put it at the top of my list for the year or anything like that. But, you know, if you're looking for something that's a little bit quirky and has some songs in it, and you like Timothy Chalamet, and maybe you just like movies about candy, I don't know. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Um, Man, I could just keep going and going and going. I don't think I'm just going to keep going on down the list. Uh, like I said, uh, did already posted reviews for um, Napoleon and Dream Scenario. Napoleon is not one that I thought was really great. I was kind of disappointed by that one overall.
2: Mm-hmm. Dream
0: Scenario, really interesting. You haven't seen that one, yet. Have, I have Have you? No. Yeah, but you but you know what it's about. This is the one mm-hmm. where people just spontaneously just start dreaming about Nicolas Cage. Actually, not Nicolas Cage, his character. His
1: character just appears in people's dreams. And so yes. he becomes famous. And yeah, I've, I've seen the right. trailer, um, but yeah.
0: But, but this is why it's interesting though, because when you hear the premise of the movie from our real world, right? Mm-hmm. People start dreaming about Nicolas Cage. That's a funny premise. And you just think, oh, this is going to be a real quirky, zany movie because people are going to start dreaming about Nicolas Cage. But they're not dreaming about Nicolas Cage. They're dreaming about his character, who is this kind of boring, beleaguered, uh, I, I can't remember if he's a physics professor. He's a professor at a university, mm-hmm. but he's just kind of like this everyday Joe. Yeah. And so even though it is Nicolas Cage and it starts off with kind of this quirkiness, it really gets kind of dark and serious fast. And mm-hmm. so instead of a lighthearted comedy, it's, it's a 24 who's done a lot of horror movies. That's really kind of yeah. where they've made the mark, right? In yeah. the studio. But, and so, the tone, even from the beginning, you kind of recognize oh this feels like kind of more like a horror movie and even though it's not like a jump scare slasher you know uh, type of type of horror film, it starts getting into kind of the the dark side of being viral and and being famous and it kind of gets into cancel culture um, because as a result of him being this instant celebrity uh, the this this professor is suddenly blamed for all kinds of things that he's not responsible for because mm-hmm. he's like appearing in people's dreams. Mm-hmm. And so if they're nightmares or if they're bad dreams, they just kind of hold him responsible. So it, it's interesting. It it, it mm-hmm. didn't turn no. out to be what I expected, but it was still cool okay, and interesting and unique and so much better than the mainstream franchise crap we've been getting all year. well that's you know and I think really I think that's really why I think 2023 is not going to go down well is because so many of the the big name movies were just
1: I mean but see the thing is and here's here's the flip side of that I'm going to spin it positive so every year when you look at the box office the top you know we've done this before right you and I did a box office episode earlier this year Usually six or seven or eight or nine of the top ten box office movies are, are franchise movies. They're either reboots or remakes sure. or sequels or prequels, and, and especially MCU. I mean, that's kind of been dominating the, the conversation for the last 15 years. Well, this year is actually the first year that none, not one of the top three, have been reboots or remakes or sequels. They're all original since yeah. 2001. And the funny thing is that year, two of those were Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, but they were the first ones, right? Oh, okay, And there was okay, also right. Monsters, Inc. This year, um, it's basically, uh, I believe it's Barbie, Super Mario Brothers, although and- there's Oppenheimer, but there's a little debate about mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers because obviously there was one 30 years ago. But, I mean, it's like a new, it's a, just a different yeah. thing, you know, and it's an right, animated. Right. Um, and, uh, All of the seek, all of the franchise movies—not all of them, but many of them—did not do very well. Like they underperformed, like Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones and Ant Man and Marvels. They all kind of performed less than what they were expected to. Um,
0: And I and I hope that that's a positive turning point.
1: Well, that's what I mean because I think it will. Because on the one
0: hand, yeah, Yeah. maybe this is what you're saying. Because on the one hand. I hated so many movies this year Mm -hmm. they were just crap and it's just why are we wasting our time with this stop feeding us this schlock yeah i've really had enough of this i'm sick of it like i was watching trailers before godzilla today and like really ant-man 2 i have no interest in seeing this
1: wait ant-man 2 is coming no 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 no
0: no no, sorry aquaman oh not ant-man aquaman right
1: yeah so that because they all blend together right it's all the same dumb thing Mm -hmm. anyway
0: so I that's that's really one of the big reasons I think this year has been so bad is because so many of those kind of franchise movies have just been like forgettable at best, right? And at the same time, maybe to kind of follow your lead, maybe that's a good thing. Is right. maybe I mean I can I can't help but think that this year is going to be seen as some kind of a turning point, I, hopefully a turning point in the right direction, um, because I would hate to think that things would get worse, mm-hmm. but yeah i i it does feel like this is the year where you couldn't just kind of trot out something connected to a franchise and get away with it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and just get your money back and go about your business right i mean right. it because as you as you pointed out they haven't done well they've lost lots of money yeah and I'm pretty happy about that if that leads to something <laughs> better no yeah. really i mean i it's not that I want people to lose money, it's that I want the movies to be better and if this is what it takes then I hope that that leads to a positive result. So
1: it it could. I mean, we could see the end of Marvel as we know it uh, or within mm-hmm. a short time or or this new, you remember how they were releasing like 3 movies a year for a long time sure, yeah. and it's the rumor is now it's going to be down to 1. They're really going to focus Deadpool, on right? just Making them really, really good, like making it a, a bigger event and not just like, oh, we have another one to go to in three months or you know, four months or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah wait, I hope it gets to that point where we're seeing. I mean, because I want to see good ones, right? If they're good, I they're they're good, they're worth seeing. Well, that's it, you know? right?
0: I mean, in, in spite of my battle, my seemingly daily battle against cynicism when it comes to movies, I really would rather that everything was good i mean Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want every movie to be good Yeah, it's like i I don't want to feel like i'm cheering against this stuff but when i when i know that they're just kind of doing this obligatory stuff and they're going down you know i I can complain over and over again about the multiverse and everything i hate about that but i don't want that i don't want that stuff i don't i don't think it's good i don't think it's constructive or helpful or, or quality and Want them to go in a different direction, and so if it means that a couple of these movies have to lose money, hey,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, it's 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 the uh, it's the jazz plan, right? Isn't the process we're now in the process where we have yeah. to tank for a couple? Oh, did I say tank? I mean, we have to uh, you rebuild. Know, rebuild for yeah. a couple of years.
1: Rebuild and, is the uh, word you use. Yeah, you don't use rebuild. They probably have banished the word tank in their in their organization, right?
0: Right. Well, you know, at least at least they're given big discounts on. On season ticket prices for everybody in the meantime, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, I, wait, are they not doing that? They're not, but you know, I've gone to ah. a few games because since it's not 100% crowded, it's it's easy to get in, and it's not like like I took Blake to a game last Friday. We went to the Clippers. That's right. Um, got to see. Did it. you
0: boo James Harden for me?
1: I did, and I also got to see a really great performance from Leonard. He 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 had 41. He was on fire. I mean, we were. I wasn't expecting the hey, Jazz to win. I am
0: feeling so cynical the last thing if I wanted to get away from my cynicism with movies the last thing I needed to do was to pivot to the NBA (laughs) oh dear cinematic
1: cynicism cinema cynicism yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man what's something positive we could talk about let's uh, let's pivot to positive okay I heard that you I heard that you saw a movie uh, a very very old movie for the first time which I would I would Kid you about for taking so long to see it, if not for the fact that I think I only saw it for the first time last year. So we can make yes. fun of ourselves.
1: Well, you may, you know, like, you know, Elf and you know, Christmas Vacation and you know, Christmas Story, you know, Home Alone. Um, but do you recall one of the oldest Christmas <laughs> oh, movies no. of them all? <laughs> this is a movie that we did talk about last year and I didn't see last year. I didn't see it until this week. It's Miracle on 34th Street, uh, a 76-year-old movie, 1947, um, which is actually not as old, surprisingly, maybe, as It's a Wonderful Life, which I've also watched uh, recently, Yeah, most of. um, And so this is my first time ever with Miracle on 34th Street. I've never even seen the the remake from, I think it was from 1994. So I, I generally knew the story. I knew the famous scene with the letters. Coming into right. the court courtroom, uh, but I I liked it. I thought it was it was very charming. Um, it had a lot more of sort of a realist, less magical or less obvious magical point of view of some Christmas movies. Because I was thinking about this movie about a Christmas themed stranger who comes into New York City and encounters a lot of different people to try to convince them that he is who he says he is, and nobody believes him and I'm like this is elf this is That's like the right. original elf right uh-huh. <laughs> but instead of an elf of santa it's supposedly santa himself santa. who goes by yeah. chris kringle and you know he has to convince the cynics he has to deal with skeptics and he's of course you know overwhelmingly positive and he's always friendly and cheerful in the face of people who want to either cancel him speaking of cancel culture or fire him or (laughs) commit him to an insane asylum or banish him or whatever. And, um, except I guess when he's assaulting someone with a cane, but he is, um, (sighs) have you, you've seen this movie, right? Well, yeah. And so, so as you're talking about it, things are coming
0: back because like you, I, I was very familiar with the, you know, the, the climactic scene in the courtroom Mm -hmm. with all the letters. Right. Um, I remember watching it last year and realizing, hey, that's Natalie Wood. She plays the little girl. I didn't know it was her uh, till I
1: started looking online. I, I, I think oh, that's yeah. cool. Is that her first well, movie? It might probably, have been probably yeah. if it
0: wasn't her first, it was I mean, she's yeah. she's a kid. Yeah, she's and, a kid. but but she looks like Natalie Wood. It's like mm-hmm. wow, that little girl looks really familiar for some reason. Um and then I remember thinking, wow this movie is really kind of taking the, I don't know, a very, a very popular sentiment these days is the uh, well-intended, I think the push to kind of decommercialize Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that hey, you don't want, you don't want to get carried away in all of the uh, the gift giving and, and all the, well, all of the, you know, the commercialization of Christmas. Yeah. Um, that's what this movie's about. I mean, it's all about kind of the corporatization of things and and I thought that's kind of interesting that I for one thing I didn't realize that there was that much of a push mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. But then thinking about that, yeah, this movie's almost eighty years old and even back then they were, you know, taking shots at, at our tendency to commercialize things that uh yeah. you know the the perversion of what should be a little more sacred, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um then that's, that's what I remember. Cause well, yeah, I, I saw it for the first time last year. Yeah.
1: I, I liked it. I mean, there were scenes that I thought were pretty cool because it's not one of these obvious hit you over the head kind of movies. Like for example, you know, he's, he's out, he's kind of on a mission to help people realize the true meaning of Christmas. And then he, and that's sort of why it seems like he's wandering around New York city, filling in for like a drunk parade Santa and then getting hired as a department store Santa to, to help out but then he really hones in on just a few people which is you know you mentioned natalie wood and her mother and and her mother has taken the tactic that few parents take where she just says we don't believe in fairy tales santa's a myth and that's what yeah, i've explained that's to right. my daughter that's right. and he's oh, and he's yeah. sort of hurt by that he's almost personally offended right it's not just <laughs> hey you don't do that to kids it's like you don't do that to kids because that's who i am like i'm real uh, you know yeah. it's what he says yeah. in the movie and and um but then there's these little touches that I just think are 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 they I guess they are magical. Like the look, Natalie Wood is watching, you know, the kids line up to get on Santa's lap and and do pictures and all that, and ask for things for Christmas. And she's kind of off to the side. And then this little Dutch girl who doesn't speak English comes up, and and they say, "Hey, she really wants to see Santa. She doesn't speak English. Can you just can oh, she just talk right. to you, or can you can you just sit on her?" Have her sit on your lap. And then he begins speaking uh, Dutch. He starts talking you remember to that? in Dutch. And they I show do. Natalie Wood's reaction. <laughs> she's just like, it's so cool because she's suddenly, you know, she's not this sort of like old soul that's that's an adult in a child's body that doesn't believe in Santa. She sort of has this like childlike wonderment, you know, this innocent yeah, reaction yeah. like, wait a minute, could it be? You know, sort of the opposite that happens to maybe young teenagers as they get older and, and deal with Christmas. And so, yeah. um, anyway, and then the mother, uh, and then there's a love interest story with the mother and the other guy in the apartment. Yeah, because she's happens a single mom, right? She's a single mom, and then she's she's meeting up with this lawyer who ends up being the lawyer who defends Chris Kringle. I I also noticed too, and I like this is again it's where it's more subtle than than just uh-huh. obvious. Um, you know, often in movies where there's a Santa that has to, you know go amongst the the regular people or sort of convince people that he's real almost every movie like this he he knows people's names and he talks about their childhood right like he'll confront some adult and talk about what the child in them wanted for christmas and then they're they're starting to believe in this movie he doesn't know anyone's name at least he doesn't say it he just introduces himself and then they introduce himself and then he asks them questions he just asks them questions about whatever and I kind of like that because the first time he met a couple adults in the movie, I was expecting him to like say their name before Uh, there was a formal introduction. Um, And so, I mean, I think the adults are fairly smart and there's not any like vicious villains in the movie. I mean, certainly there's a villain, there's villain characters such as the prosecutor who's trying to um, prove that he's not Santa, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, and then the judge. I, I didn't expect judicial politicking in this movie. For there to be a judge who's worried about his <laughs> how his reputation's going to look by taking on this case because it's almost like a can't win situation. Either he's going to look crazy by agreeing that Santa's real, or he's gonna he's already hated by his own grandchildren and become hated by every child, you know, by, by the way he treats this Mister Chris Kringle. And so I thought that was that was fun. Um, nice. So it's a nice it's a nice little movie. I for me yeah. it's not yeah, all time good. all time great. Christmas movie like it, it didn't it wouldn't make my like top 10 list but it's one that I could see revisiting and um, and it actually held yeah. a couple of my children's interests for a while surprisingly I think we'll probably watch it try to watch it start to finish you know one of these years and yeah see how they do but
0: yeah
1: well nice okay one.
0: so that so that leads me to a question because so so when I haven't been watching movies to prepare for my ballad I I have started trying to watch some holiday movies, you know, because it's December
2: mm-hmm. and we're
0: heading to Christmas. Yeah. Um, what I've found, though, is that, you know, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of them earlier on in the episode, you know, Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation and Elf. Like, there are a bunch of these that, I mean, I've seen lots and lots of times. I mm-hmm. love them. Yeah. You know, but I kind of want to find some new options mm-hmm. and at the same time i don't want to jump headfirst into you know because i i noticed that when i go through it, get you know get on amazon prime or on netflix or something and start scrolling through the christmas lists mm-hmm. it seems like there are a half dozen classic christmas movies and then there is just an endless slog of no name i've never heard of this before i don't know if it's a hallmark one or if it's just another generic one but like Where's the kind of that middle ground where they're mainstream good Christmas movies, but I haven't seen them as often, you know, I don't know if that makes any I, sense, but like,
1: yeah, I don't know i mean i i I'm not sure I mean, it seems like I have to be kind of
0: liberal with the with the definition, so for example, last night, die hard 2, <laughs> which you know
2: mm-hmm. is
0: taking place. I think it's on Christmas Eve in this one when they're, you know, the terrorist activity at the Dulles airport. So as that was to the,
2: yeah, I haven't. Oh yeah. Seen the sec- that
0: the one. second one's also, yeah. The second one is a Christmas movie in the same one that a first one, in the same way that the first one is yeah. a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, and then another one uh, I watched last year and this year was while you were sleeping, which mm-hmm. starts on Christmas. And then the story takes place over the course of the holidays and finishes on is it New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just—that's just a great movie. If you—if you haven't seen While You Were Sleeping in a long time, that's a good one. Uh, Gremlins could be a Christmas movie, but see, I don't—I don't necessarily want to find movies that are like sneaky Christmas movies. It's kind of like ah, oh, there's got to be. Have I we, mean, what's what, what's the most famous Christmas movie you haven't seen? You know, let me ask now me that now that you've seen Miracle on 34th Street, what what's next on the list?
1: Have you? Okay, let me, let me ask you a question, but before I forget, because you brought something up, have we ever done a rom-com draft or or, uh, or I
0: don't think so, but I think we should.
1: Because I love "While You Were Sleeping." That's the first one I really remember watching. I think I was and, and liking quite a bit, and I think I yeah. was. It's a great movie. Or Eighteen, I don't know when it came out, but it was mid '90s, and I, I just, it was so funny. It's out in the theater. Yeah. Um. First Sandra Bullock movie. I remember Bill Pullman. Hey, that's the guy from Spaceballs and in Independence Day. I liked <laughs> it. Right. I thought it was really good. Oh, it, um, it's
0: a very good movie. It's a fun movie. But really, really sweet.
1: But yeah, I didn't think of it as a Christmas movie. I guess I had forgotten that it takes place around Christmas. Well, um, you,
0: you'd almost have to call it a holiday movie because it takes place over the holidays, mm-hmm. but it's not Christmas specific. I mean, the whole premise is that she has to work. So she she's a, a toll booth operator in yeah. Chicago at the L train mm-hmm. and she's in love with this guy or she has a crush on this guy who goes through her booth every day but she's never talked to him etc cetera, etc cetera. so she gets stuck working on Christmas day and the day that she's working on Christmas he comes through the booth and says hi to her and she's dumbfounded and can't say anything back and then he gets mugged on the platform and she has to like save his life and that's kind of where things kick off Okay. And so it's so it's like Christmas day when she's stuck working the holiday where things start. That's where the the incident happens. But uh you know, it's not it's not a Christmas dependent movie.
1: Yeah. Okay. What about yeah. Mixed Nuts? Have you ever seen Mixed Nuts?
0: Um Steve Martin? Yeah. I have not seen it. I I know which one you're talking about. I have not seen it.
1: I know there's some defenders of that i didn't think it was that funny especially with that cast should have been a lot better but i i'm pretty sure it's a christmas yeah a, a christmas movie or it takes place around christmas um
0: well you you brought up you brought up uh um romantic to comedies
1: mm-hmm. how
0: about how do you feel about love actually
1: i like that yeah, I, I know that, I mean, people love it. There are people that just love it. I think that's going to be at the Utah Symphony now, like with the uh, the live orchestra accompaniment, but I, I don't love it that much, but, you know, I thought it was...
0: Wait, uh, the Utah Symphony is going to play live to Love Actually?
1: I think so. Because
0: um, that's a... Part of the reason I bring it up is because it's a, you know, R-rated movie. For some very particular reasons.
1: Well, Love actually in concert Tuesday, December nineteenth, seven p.m. at Bravenal Hall. So I wonder if they're doing like a... Um... Oh, you know what? <laughs> they're doing a PG thirteen version. So yeah. Oh, they are. Yeah.
0: Okay, because I was going to say like because one of the one of the story threads that I'm guessing a lot of people don't even know exists because they probably watch it on cable TV where it's been edited mm-hmm. is definitely not PG thirteen. Yeah. I, I, I haven't even seen it. I mean, that's why, because I've only ever seen it like on, on cable TV.
1: Yeah, no, I saw I, I I saw the same thing. I saw the edited version, so I haven't seen that yeah. version. But yeah, I I didn't realize until now that there's an official PG thirteen version, or if, or if they've maybe it's sort of like the TV version. But yeah, it's playing this this Tuesday at seven PM. So that's cool. Interesting. I mean, not that we're advertising. Well, that's, for that's there's us. a
0: Merry Christmas for everybody then.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: can go see the PG thirteen version with the symphony. That I, I mean, that'd be pretty cool.
1: Because I was going to
0: say, I know that in terms of classic Christmas movies I have not seen, White Christmas jumps to mind, although I can't say that I'm really fired up to see it because I'm just not into musicals.
1: Yeah. Huh. Um, Have you seen Spirited? No. Okay. You
0: saw that one last year, right? Didn't Mm -hmm. we talk about that last year? Yeah. Yeah. Still haven't seen that one.
1: I, I drafted it. I really loved it. I haven't watched it yet this year. I've seen it a couple times, but... Yeah, it was last year, wasn't it? It's it's really good. Uh-huh. Um, but if you don't like musicals, I mean, do you like Will Ferrell or Ryan Reynolds?
0: I like both Will Ferrell <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. And, and I don't want to watch them sing.
1: It's quite funny. <laughs> um, let's see, what else is there? So I haven't seen the Scrooged one that um, Danny liked from 1971, A Christmas Carol. Um.
0: Oh, you mean the Albert Finney one?
1: Is it the Albert Finney one from the early seventies? Well, because
0: that's that's like my number one Christmas movie.
1: Yeah. Oh, you yeah. maybe you were the one that, dropped, that mentioned yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Scrooge with Albert Finney about nineteen seventy. Alec Guinness plays Marley.
1: Okay, I've, I have not seen that one. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's kind of the I don't know the biggest exception to my not a fan musicals rule. Yeah. Is is that. Uh, I really, really love Scrooge.
2: Um,
1: okay.
0: Unless you count the Blues Brothers as a musical, which you kind of can and kind of can't.
1: Um, it's a musical in the sense that Once is a musical, right?
2: Uh, maybe?
1: I mean, I don't know. It, Kinda, so, sometimes movies, that are about musical groups doing what they do. I, I don't know how they qualify, like that thing you do or... You know, th- those, yeah, that thing you do is not a musical. It's not a musical, and um, I guess once is closer to a musical. But uh, yeah, Blues Brothers. There's a lot of because, music in it. I mean, there's a lot of performed well, music in it, and it's. Uh,
0: I mean, I guess there's really only one or two scenes, that, because you know how like the concept of the musical is this is not like real life. Like people mm-hmm. don't behave this way. They don't just start singing their right dialogue.
1: And they all have a choreographed, you know, movements right. in there. Yeah. yeah. There
0: are only a couple of scenes in the Blues Brothers that play out that way that mm-hmm. aren't within the context of the band is playing or the church choir is singing or these people are on stage. It's like Aretha Franklin at the the soul food restaurant when she starts singing think that. yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: well and maybe ray charles at the music store when he does he, he decides to demonstrate the electric piano and starts playing shake a tail feather and everybody in the street starts dancing along those are kind of the only. that's like the closest thing
1: yeah because so, everything else anyway. is in a concert right like with Cap Calloway and stuff right well right well then I guess Anchorman could be a musical if we really stretch that definition because all of the anchor people sing Afternoon Delight for about 30 seconds just spontaneously yeah. they start singing and they harmonize and then they stop singing just like walk go their separate ways <laughs> I mean it's played for laughs but yeah um, yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs> interesting yeah. we've covered some interesting ground
1: yeah today. it has we've really been uh, all over the place Larocco.
0: yes um, you might say we've been a stuff.
1: couple of mixed nuts
0: and on that note
1: oh man you're gonna have to cut that out that was horrible no i think
0: <laughs> i think we should finish there um seriously any last points anything else no i'm excited i think,
1: I think I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your year-end list on our next, uh, your best of list uh, yeah. on our next Yeah, so, so you don't need to, okay, so don't need to give any hints, hints now. I mean, obviously, you right. will still come up with that, and it might you have a couple more to see. But my list will be much less comprehensive than yours, but I definitely will have a few that I'll like to talk about. I'll
0: That's okay. About I will end. be excited. I think uh, the, the plan is to do one more episode before the end of the year. Maybe we'll even record it in the same room. Yes. And it'll have a totally different vibe and feel. Dear listeners still with us, thanks for uh, everything. Spread the joy. We'll see you back for episode 69, hopefully before the end of the year.